Hi, I'm Randy Nichols, and this is The Right Angle. Well, unless you're, you've been living in a bomb shelter the past month or so, uh, you're aware of the coronavirus and how it's affecting uh, the United States currently. Um, it started out in the Wuhan province of China and uh, devastated the Italian uh, healthcare system and showed up, began showing up in spots here about a month ago, um, started to get thicker and they got to where they told us, you're going to have to stay home. So interesting to watch the different ways Americans are responding to this. Um, if you're old enough to remember the sitcom Gilligan's Island in the 60s or maybe in syndication in the 70s uh, where seven castaways were stranded on a island in the South Pacific. Uh, people are visiting them all the time, saying like scientists, uh, celebrities, all kinds of people. Harlem Globetrotters visit them once. Um, and then they leave. They sort of sneak away. Or they'll say, uh, oh, we'll tell, we'll tell everybody. Or they say they're com- they'll come back themselves to rescue them. And uh, they never do. It never works out. That's sort of how it feels these days. We're sitting in our not too bad situations, most of us. Uh, pretty nice houses a lot of times. Uh, we have generally what we need. May have to go to the store and fight people a little bit. Uh, but we're not really suffering in that regard too bad. And people will visit. You can have food delivered. Uh, they, people will stand at a distance since, you know, you can talk to your neighbor across the fence. Um, but then uh, they go away and you have to stay. You can't leave. So that's sort of how it feels. Anybody, what, what should be our perspective on this as Christians? What's the, the right angle to have on this? Let's talk about that today. Well, there are several points to make uh, in trying to gain or keep perspective during this crisis we're enduring. Uh, The first I would say is the reliability of the information. First of all, uh, the Chinese data that we get is uh, at best credible, uh, questionable, and uh, and then you think about the difference between different cultures um, and all the factors involved. There could be could bring the data into question, even what we're looking at in Italy. So, um, and then perhaps the biggest um, aspect of that is media credibility or lack thereof. <laughs> Uh, as I say often to people, my kids would roll their eyes if they hear this. Uh, there are 327 million American citizens, and best I can tell, in looking into it, even though there are five media conglomerates, uh, it only looks like there's about a million people working in television. Uh, perhaps there's more, maybe even if you say two million. Uh, that's a big difference. That's a amazingly small number of people uh, telling us what to think all the time. Um, and, it, you know, it seems like 
90% of Americans uh, just swallow whole what they see on television. Um, and they say to themselves, yeah, this is, this is what people, this is what everybody believes. And uh, because there's a constant narrative coming out of the television. But um, if you really think about it, the people, all, think of all the people in the heartland of the West. Think of the type of people there. Think of the no-nonsense Midwestern people, even away from the cities. Um, think of the conservative people in the South. And the, the amount of people you're talking about there. And then think about what's on TV. The narratives that are being pushed there. It really doesn't uh, doesn't seem to represent uh, what most Americans think about issues. So that's at least something to be considered. Um, and, and what information do we have? Uh, first of all, the information that we see daily... Um, is the number of confirmed cases. Of course, early on, without adequate testing, uh, it's, that's unreliably low. But uh, even with the testing and the uh, and then the the death count, both numbers actually are lo- very very low compared to a lot of things that we deal with every year. Even the just the common flu. Um, and I know they're going to increase dramatically. They are increasing dramatically, but. Um, in in perspective, if you compare it to the swine flu ten years ago, it at least brings it into question because uh, fifty nine million Americans uh, were infected with the swine flu, and according to CDC estimates, and twelve thousand died. So that's uh, and that's in a matter of uh, four or five months uh, back in two thousand nine. So um, that makes uh, that puts some of these numbers in perspective um though they say experts say the real issue is not death but hospitalization rates and the way uh, italy's healthcare system was overrun um we could be in trouble as well as far as hospital beds um but especially ventilators and uh, icu units so um if you do the math, uh, there's 2.8 hospital beds in the United States per 1,000 uh, citizens, and uh, that, so that's and if, if there's a 65% uh, occupied rate, uh, and that leaves 225 or so thousand beds available. Uh, if the hospitalization rate is about ten percent, then that would say that would suggest that we would begin to be in danger as the confirmed cases reach two million. So that's uh, a look at the data, and uh, if if that's depending on how reliable that that is, we can consider that at least an issue as to uh, when considering how we can gain the right perspective so the second issue to consider is our calling as christians and of course our calling is to love others Um, second only to loving god Um, i could give you 
a litany of verses that I could find in the Word of God about how to be selfless, how to deny yourself, think of others first, um, just the call to love, maybe the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. But all I really have to do is go to the greatest commandment. Second only to loving God with all our heart, soul, and mind is to love others as ourselves, it says. And this is always our calling. So it's no different in this situation. Um, and, and we should always be asking uh, how how should we, how best is should we be loving others now? How is the best way? So um, in this case, it's no different. And, of course, you know how to love the people uh, in your life that you care for and you're close to or God has put under your care. Um, and you know how to adapt your life in a situation like this. Um, and so the question is, how do we corporately love each other in the church? Of course, making yourself available uh, um more so, or in a different way, uh, is certainly important during this time. But even broadly, uh, as an American in the United States, how do we love others? And I was thinking there's a better way to look at this is maybe two ways that how not to love others. And the first one is to panic. So this is this causes obvious problems, you know. You are stirring up a lack of faith in others if you panic, uh, not just in yourself. Um, it can lead to discouragement in others who are already frustrated with the situation. Um, uh, but more dangerous is that you can cause more chaos, um, like screaming fire in a crowded theater. You're causing more if you're causing more panic than necessary, um, or you're exaggerating going too far, stirring up an already tense situation, that's not loving people. That's not a good way to love your neighbor. So, <clears throat> Secondly, uh, another way to not love your neighbor in this situation is to throw caution to the wind. This is the other end of the spectrum. Um, like the spring breakers recently said, I don't care. I'm, I'm not going to let this stop my... Uh, annual event of release, uh, stress release called the spring break trip down to the beach. And they came back and several of them have been diagnosed, um, showing that they shared the disease with each other or the uh, virus. So, and, and there's a certain element of people that you can see during this time who are more calmly throwing caution to the wind and saying, um, let's just trust God and just go about our business and not do anything else, anything different. Uh, well, that works, you know, if there, if it's, if this is not a problem to the extent that we understand going back to point one, uh, to this, to the extent that we understand the, the data, if there's no danger, if it's just, if it's minimal danger, then that makes sense because we should always be trusting God. But these people are saying, trust God and do nothing. Um, if if it is a serious issue, then that's a problem. Whenever people are trusting God and then uh, doing whatever and not using their, their minds in any situation, placing themselves in risk, 
uh, if that's the case here. That always leads me to say to them, um, let me ask you this. Why do you not believe in snake handling? Because if you watch the, the snake handlers, what they're doing would would uh, glorify God, if that's true, right? They're saying, um, look, we can do whatever we want, no matter how dangerous, and God is going to protect us. And if we get bit, he's going to heal us. If we have enough faith, uh, that would glorify God, if that's true, right? Why don't we do that? Because God has made no such promise, right? Uh we are uh, expected to use our brains, right? It's like the the guy who uh, there was an island. There's an island tribe off of the coast of it, India um, called the North North Sentinel Tribe on an island, and they're cut off from the world. They want that, and they they tell everybody, "Don't come over here. We will kill you." And uh, Missionary John Chow, who's about 26 years old, uh, decided that he was going to trust God and go over there. And uh, and he rode the, the boat over there, going over there with a mission in mind to spread the gospel. Uh, and just saying, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to trust God that he's going to take care of me because I'm preaching the gospel. And he rode the boat all the way over there, got off on the island, and they killed him. So there, there is an aspect of loving God with all your mind. We are to use our brains. God has given us a good brain. He's given us a hint to that is that he's given us a book to read, a book to study, and to think about um, is this, you know, what is the best thing to do? He gives us guidance. He gives us wisdom. Uh, but we aren't supposed to shut off our brains. So... That's another issue to consider, our calling and how not to love others. Uh, two extremes, panic and throwing caution to the wind too much. Um, wherever you land on the data or wherever you land on the best way in the middle to love those around you and to love um, our neighbors corporately as Americans, uh, these are the issues to take into consideration. Okay, I guess I'll close with this, um, and I'm not going to seem particularly clever for uh, doing this, as I've heard many preachers quote this recently, but Martin Luther, when having to deal with the deadly plague uh, in the 1500s, uh, is quoted as saying, I shall ask God mercifully to protect us, then I shall fumigate, I shall help purify the air administer medicine and take it. I shall avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed in order not to become contaminated and thus perchance inflict and pollute others and so cause their death as a result of my negligence. If God should wish to take me, he says, he will surely find me and I have done what he has expected of me. And so I am not responsible for either my own death or the death of others. If my neighbor needs me, however, I shall not avoid place or person.
but will go freely as stated above. See, this is such a God-fearing faith because it is neither brash nor foolhardy and does not tempt God. So that was in the 1500s, Martin Luther. And um, wherever you land on a lot of these trickier issues, um, hopefully I've given you some good uh, thoughts to consider and help you gain the right perspective or keep one that you already have. And uh, anyway, um, I pray that God uh, blesses each one of us and protects us from this crisis. I'm Randy Nichols, and this is The Right Angle.